Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 3 of the Jetman with the Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Shoujin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? I'm great, man. It's Friday afternoon. Done with work for the week. It's the weekend. And what it's better way? Day out. What better way to kick off a weekend, Dave? What? <laughs> sitting down, slicing off. <laughs> better way. Slicing off a nice piece of jet, man. That was a weird way to say that, but yeah, let's go with it. Hey, man, there's a lot of weird <laughs> things that happen in this show. I'm just trying to get in the mood. Anyway, today we are watching episode three. It's called "The Power of Five, uh, which makes a lot more sense than last week's episode title. But before yeah. we get into that, Dave. Yeah. Shining in the heavens. There are five stars. There what are. is our first star of the week? Before I get into that, Matt, I just like to, I'd like it if you would now refer to the segment as our officially award-winning segment. Shining the heaven, there are five stars. Okay, so Dave, yeah, Matt. Today we're watching episode <laughs> three, titled "The Power of Five, which, as previously noted, makes a lot more sense than last week's episode title. Sure does. But before we get into that. We need to get through first our officially award-winning <laughs> opening segment. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Uh, yeah, let's just jump right in. Uh, so, as you know, I am a high school teacher. I am also a giant nerd. If you are a listener of the show, you may recall both of these facts. I'm, actually, I'm just going to assume that you know that I'm a giant nerd because I co-host a show about Jetman. Yeah, I mean, you're listening to us talk about <laughs> Super right. Sentai from the 90s. But, so at the high school, obviously, there's a bunch of different clubs, and there is, was, a board game club that I knew of its existence, but was not really involved with. Because there was another teacher who was running it, but he has subsequently retired. And so earlier this year, like the first week of school, one of my students comes up, and just says, hey, Mr. J, would you be willing to like be involved and like help run slash host the board game club? And I said, yeah, sure. Yeah, no problem. Just like let me know. Like just tell me so that I am prepared for that. Sure, so you can and plan for it. <laughs> right. And so she said, great. I did not hear anything. Today, the same student shows up this morning before class before school even starts, with like a bag full of games. Actually, pretty decent games. She's got like Dixit and Pandemic and um, a bunch of other games. Anyways, so she says, hey, Mr. J, uh, so we can have board game club after school today, right? And she was so hopeful looking and excited that I, that I didn't, what I did not say was, no, you didn't let me know and I have another thing to do. Because I, I didn't. <laughs> well, you had this to like, do. What? You had this to do. Oh, well, yeah, but I, uh, listen, Board Game Club was not going to run until now. Okay, uh, good. Um, so, yeah, so I run Board Game Club now, apparently, and it's really fun. The kids just show up and they play games, and I told them that next time we had Board Game Club that I would 
bring some games from my collection. So yeah, that's really it. It's just a bunch of like it's just like a fresh crop of nerds playing that's board fun. games. A so bunch that's of cool. earnest teenagers playing board games. Right. It's I a remember good, those days well. It's a good world. It's a good world. So that's it. It's just a fun thing. Uh, so board game club. It's exciting and fun. How about you, Matt? What is our second star of the week? Uh, well, Dave, the world isn't always exciting and good because uh, our second star of the week is actually a black hole. Oh. Oh, no. So, last Saturday, I was walking out to my car. I was going to drive to a friend's house. We are going to sit on a porch and enjoy an adult beverage or two. It was going to be lovely. Sounds I, nice. I get out to my car, and I look next to it, and I notice that there's, like, a small pile of just, like, road junk. You know, like, broken plastic and stuff that mm. I did not remember being there before. And then I looked up at my car, and I realized that that small pile of debris was, in fact, my rearview mirror. Oh. Uh, apparently, some car had just been driving, like, my car was parked on the side of the street. Yeah. And a car that had been driving parallel to it uh, was momentarily less than parallel. Uh. And, and so, like, the side of the car is a little scraped up, and the rearview mirror got bashed off. That's actually not a huge deal. Like, I have insurance. Right. Like, my insurance is paying me for, to have a rental car. Everything okay, is well, cool. Well, that at least is cool. The right? problem was that, like, the car wasn't there when I showed up, of course. Uh, well, maybe oh, not, of course. Oh, so this but, just, they just, like, there wasn't oh, a yeah, note or there anything. Was no they just, I, I do not even think that they stopped and got out of their car. Oh. I think they were just driving by and, like, sideswiped my car and decided to keep rolling. And, the, dude, what, like... What kind of garbage person does that? Well, I don't know, because I didn't meet them. <laughs> right. Uh, I would away. dearly like to. Um, yeah, it's just... Come on, but man. But apparently somebody else had seen it happen, and so they called it into the police. And so when oh, really? I made... When I called to make a police report, they said, Oh, yeah, we already had somebody. Like, I'm glad that you called so we can put you together with this report. We'll send it... It was right around the corner from my place, so they said, Just go back to your apartment... We'll send a cop out. You can fill out a report. Uh, Everything is cool. They should be there in about an hour. Okay. Four hours later, I'm sitting at my place. I can't go and get food because I'm worried that I'm going to miss the cop. Right. I'm just sitting on my couch playing video games, not willing to move from eyeshot of the door. Right. Because you don't want to miss this guy. Right. And at this point, it's like, I don't know. It's like 10 o'clock at night. Okay. And I'm still waiting for this cop. And so I call the police station back and I say, hey, is there a chance that maybe there was a mix-up? Maybe. Like, I don't want to presume anything. I know you're busy people. But, like, is there a chance that possibly maybe. you were supposed to send a car out and that just didn't happen? <laughs> and so the cop I was talking to was like, okay, well, what's your address? I'll check you know, the calls that we were supposed to send out. And I gave him my address, and he said, I, you know, I don't have it anywhere that a cop was supposed to go to that address to talk to anybody. <laughs> How weird, right? <laughs> Crazy! And it turns out what they had done is they had tried to send a cop out, not to me, but to the other guy who had called it in, who did not know that a cop was supposed to be showing up to take a report. <laughs> so and so that guy wasn't home. They sent a cop out. <laughs> nobody answered the door because there was nobody there. And they said, okay, well, I guess we've taken care of that and just went back. <laughs> and so when I called at 10, they're like, oh, well, 
I'm sorry, we'll send another car out. And so, like, 11.30, a cop finally shows up. And, like, we get a... You know, at this point, the sun has gone down for hours. Yeah, I'm right. I'm trying to show him, like, oh, well, this is what happened to the car. This is where it happened. Blah, blah, blah. He was trying to knock on some doors to, like, talk to some neighbors who had seen it happen. But, of course, it was 11.30. They'd all gone to bed. Right, yeah. Anyway, so it's all getting taken care of now. But uh, that was my entire Saturday. <laughs> Wow, that's uh, that's all. That's a mess of junk. That's terrible. Yeah, that is a whole piece of garbage. Uh, so, Dave, what is our third star of the week? So, third star of the week, Matt, is another great thing that I'm interacting with. I play uh, Netrunner, as I've mentioned to you. If you are not a longtime listener of the show, Netrunner is a card game of a style that is like vaguely similar to Magic: The Gathering. Now, Dave, you're talking Just about Android like- Netrunner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Android Netrunner. There actually is an old board-ish game that's Netrunner. That Actually, Android Netrunner, the newer game, is based on. They're kind of designed by the same guy, I think. So what's coming out at the end of the month, Matt, is a pretty large expansion for uh, one of the factions of Corpse. Because if you remember, there's like there's four Corpse, Matt, and then there's three kind of factions of runners, right? Right, and the game is sort of like a back and forth between those two sides. Yeah, precisely. You know, one player plays the runner and one player plays the corp. And each of the four corps has a very different kind of style of play, right? You know, uh-huh. one is all about building giant walls to protect yourself, and one is about kind of hunting the runner down. And one of them is about... Uh, they're like supposed to be a telecommunications firm. Like if Time Warner and ATT and... I don't know, Comcast, like, all merge into, like, one giant global company, that is NBN, which is the name of the game, like, the faction in game. Okay. And so there's a really big expansion coming out for them, which is really cool because they've got a really neat play style, but they have not had a large expansion for their card set yet. And so it's a really big thing. So now that faction just becomes a lot more playable. I mean, they were totally playable before. They're actually very competitive. But, you know, your options just open up a lot. So it's really exciting. And then they're doing some really crazy stuff on the runner side of it. Um, Long story short, there's four corporations, but there's only three factions of runners, right? And so there's been three large expansions before this. One... each focusing and each large expansion focuses on like one corp and one faction of runners. Well, now they're getting to the fourth corp, but there's no fourth faction of runners to balance it out. So what they're introducing is totally wackadoo. It's like three kind of mini factions. It's like three individual runners who don't have a faction, okay. but have like their own. They have their own small set of specialty cards. That's, like, just for them. Oh, well, that's neat. Yeah, so they're like a faction, but, like, just by themselves. And then they have the ability to use a lot more cards from other factions than regular runner would to kind of balance out their decks. So the game is going, like, some really cool and new interesting places. And I'm really excited, and I've been having a lot of fun playing it. And that's really it. I'm just excited. I think it's going to be really cool. Awesome, dude. Sounds rad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, you, I know you have a set. We, we gotta play sometime, man. I do. Yeah, I just have the core set. Right. You can be, you can be competitive with the core set. But uh, yeah, so we'll play some time, and now we'll stop 
talking about Netrunner. Okay. Hooray! Uh, so what, Matt, is our fourth star of the week? Uh, our fourth star of the week, Dave, is it was just a, a, something that I saw walking into work today. So I, I got off the bus and I was crossing the street and I looked okay. down and I saw a piece of litter that I was not expecting. It was an empty can, okay. an empty, uncrushed, just like recently drank and discarded can of tab. Now here's they still, they here's still the thing make about tab. This. First of all, they still make tab, which caught what? me by surprise. Although I, I think I had heard recently that that was still being made. But the thing is that like tab, I think is like a regional soda, right? Ah, uh, for our for any listeners that don't live in the states, like. America has so many different types of soda pop. Yes. That some just, just only exist you... in parts of the country. Yeah. So there's like, there's Moxie, there's Cheer Wine, there's Sundrop, there's all sorts of regional mm, root beers. Delicious, delicious Moxie. Um, and one of the things, it's actually, it's made by Coke. It's basically like a different version of Diet Coke that predates the creation of actual Diet Coke. Yeah. It is a Diet Cola made by Coca-Cola. Anyway, but they don't sell tab in Cleveland. Yeah. So like did not they, what, Yeah, it's what, just not there. What must have happened is that someone driving through downtown Cleveland and there's no if you're not going to work in the morning, there's no reason to go to downtown Cleveland. It's not mm-hmm. like other cities where like to get from one side to the other, you have to drive through downtown or anything. Like, it's a pretty yeah. small downtown, and you sort of skirt it on the highway, right? Right. Like, the only reason to be there is you're either going to or coming from work. So, generally speaking, doing one of those things has imported from a different part of the country a can of tab and then decided to just, like, throw it out the car. So, it's not... This is not just... Wait, like wait, wait. It was a full litter. can? No, no, no. It was empty. But like, oh, this is okay. not incidental litter. This is premeditated <laughs> litter. This is litter that someone had to bring in from out of state. Like, if there were borders, like, someone would have had to pay a tariff to, like, drop to this can this in the street. Specific litter. Right oh. next to a garbage can, which, I mean, listen, it's downtown. There's going to be trash yeah, on the right. ground you know, here and there. But just the fact that it was this pristine can of recently drank tab, just like completely floating out in the middle of nowhere, completely made my morning. So, Matt, uh, if you want to get tab, okay, you can acquire it in the following places. Botswana, Lesotho, okay. Namibia, South Africa, Swaziland... The U.S. Virgin Islands, Spain, Norway, and parts of the United States that are not Cleveland. Yeah, I think they might bottle it down in Kentucky, possibly? I honestly have no idea. idea. I've never seen it for sale in Ohio. I literally don't know if I've ever seen a can of Tab live, like just in life. Like, I don't ever think I've seen an actual can of Tab anywhere. I... I honestly cannot recall. I know I saw a bunch of them one time on an episode of the Sarah Silverman program. Yep. That's, uh, that's well, I wasn't that going to talk about it, but yeah, that's the first thing I thought of when you said tab. Yeah, I think that might be the only actual experience I've ever had with it. I have no idea what it tastes like, but yes, that's our fourth star. Diet Coke. I don't know. Just some sort of weird uh, litter experience I had this morning. Anyway, Dave, anyway. what is our fifth and final star of the week? 
So, Matt, our fifth star of the week is that tomorrow I am heading out fairly early in the morning to my 10-year college reunion. Wow. I know, right? That is bananas. It, because I, that means that next year is my 10-year reunion, and I do not feel like I am nearly that far along. You know, it's really weird, because on one hand, I'm like, 10 years? Wow, really? But on the other hand, I only like vaguely... Like, I remember being in college, and I remember it very fondly, but it seems like a lifetime ago. You know well, what I you mean? Know, I think with anything like that, there are aspects of it which feel like they happened yesterday and aspects of it that feel like they happened to an entirely different person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And when I think think about those things that feel like they just happened, like the idea of a 10-year reunion completely baffles me. You know, well, I think it's partially uh, exacerbated by the like the weirdness of it is because I see our buddies from college on like a pretty regular basis. Uh, two of our really good friends, Bill, who has actually been on the show before, and uh, our friend Tim, who are like live in Cleveland and we hang out. You obviously went to college. We went to college together. I met my wife at college. And then we also, producer Mark and uh, a bunch of our friends who do other podcasts, well, just our one friend who does the other podcast. But if our like we are yearly like nerd get together, those are all college friends. It's like I see those people not infrequently and am in contact with them on like a daily basis. But the idea of of going back for a reunion is very strange. Because now I'm starting to it's not like Facebook and stuff. And I'm like hearing from people and I'm like, oh yeah. You're totally a person, aren't you? Like I you know guess, what I mean? Yeah, like we knew each other for four years. I guess you still exist. Yeah. Because like some people, you know, they enter your life and they're just kind of there for the duration. And some people are like I mean, okay, this is like a weird way to say this, but they're like supporting characters for you. Like they're obviously the main character in their life, but in your life. They were just like they were like side players. Like right. they kind they of were came a guy in. you had a class with one time. Right. Yeah. And now it's just like, oh yeah, man, ten year reunion. Like, what's up? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't really have anything new in common with you. But right. sure, let's like have breakfast, I guess. I don't know. Uh so I'll let you know how it goes and then you can have a year to prepare yourself. Okay, to decide whether or not I am going to deal with that nonsense. Yeah, I honestly and and uh like my favorite professors have retired. Subsequent like after I graduated, they're not working at the college anymore. So now it's a little more like, oh, so I don't know anybody here and I don't know any of the professors and Hey, so you're just going, you're literally just going back to look at buildings you used to hang out in 10 years ago. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Maybe it'll be fun. Hey, they were nice buildings. They actually, they're beautiful. I mean, you got married there, so (laughs) I did get married there because the buildings, in part, because the buildings are so beautiful. So, so hey, anyway, a weird, uh, nostalgic, uh, fifth star for you this week. Uh, but. Let's take our break. Let's watch episode three. uh, And let's get back here with some chuckles and goofs. (laughs) (laughs) Break time. Okay, welcome back. So we 
have just finished watching episode three of Shojin Sentai Jetman, The Power of Five. And Dave, why don't you hit us with a quick recap and then we'll get into it proper. <laughs> sure. Uh, they fight a great monster. This might be mm, top ten. Top ten favorite Sentai monsters so far. And Guy does finally join the team in the best way possible. Oh, it's it is great. Um Hey, actually, okay, I have more things to say about all that stuff, but we will get to it as we progress through the yeah, show. Yeah, 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 definitely. Let me interrupt you. Before we actually get started, let me ask you a quick question. We do yeah. get giant robots in this show, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I just, it hasn't, we haven't seen any, like, uh, spoilers, teasers? Teasers. We haven't seen any teasers for them, and so I just, like, I knew it was a Super Sentai show, so I assumed they were giant robots. I just wanted to make sure. Because we've seen, yeah. like, jets yes. and then bikes and stuff, but... Okay, cool. Yeah, the um, I mean, you will recall from Die Ranger that it took them, what, seven, eight episodes to get... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I just haven't seen anything. Well, like, in the first episode of Die Ranger, we did see Die Or not Die We saw Ryuseo. We saw Ryuseo. So there was, like, a little bit. It was like, oh, hey, I know you're here for the giant robots. Don't sweat it. They are here, just not... Yeah, and we have, we've only seen Jet so far. No, I'm I'm cool. I just wanted to double check that. Uh, but yes, those Jets will be combining into a giant robot sometime oh, soon. Oh, okay. The Jets themselves. That makes sense. Okay. I'm imagining like a Transformers combiner with all the Jets because there was one. Is that... Um, don't tell I me. Mean, don't spoil it for me. It's okay. a lot more like a, like a Megazord sort of deal, like they all are. Yeah, no. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so having assuaged my fears, let's actually yes, talk about it, this It is episode. a giant man made out of jets. It is a, jet, it is a literal jet man. <laughs> good, good. Um, okay, so we open up, and there is just a dude. At first I thought it was one of the rangers, but it's not. And he is awoken by a dripping faucet. He's like, huh, that's kind of weird. Awoken by a dripping faucet, things that have happened in television and cartoons, and I don't think ever actually in real life to anyone. No, no, no. I have... Have Have I? Have you actually been woken up by a leaky faucet? I haven't been woken up. Have I? I have been woken up by dripping, but not a leaky faucet. Like, I was camping once, and there was a lot of dripping from, like, a thing. I forget what. But never a leaky faucet. But drip, I just want to say, theoretically, dripping could wake you up. Okay, so listener, if if I made you feel like you were somehow being singled out because you have been awoken to a drippy faucet, uh, apparently it's you and Dave yeah, and no Yeah, the two else. of us, it's an exclusive club. So, this dude gets woken up by a faucet. Awesome. He wakes up, he's like, oh, that's kind of weird. And he goes and he turns the faucet off, and then he goes to leave, and the faucet starts dripping again. And he says, oh, that's really weird. And then what's weird is he just gets back in bed. Like, the dripping faucet woke him up. (laughs) Enough to the point where he got up and walked across the room to turn it off. He gets back to his bed. He hears the dripping again. And at that point, I guess he feels like he's already expended all of the energy he's going to bother with this situation. Yeah, Yeah, I'm just going to bed. Right, he's out. And so a hand kind of appears out of nowhere, which sort of threw me off for a second. But then I remembered that the Virum are like dimensional travelers. So I guess they can create 
mini portals that just have like a hand through or something. Yeah, they're so, just sort of reaching in and out of the dimensional rift. Right, which I think automatically kind of makes them more dangerous than the Goma. But anyways, so this hand reaches through and it has one of those like crazy dimensional spider scorpion things and it attaches it to the faucet. So heads up, y'all, faucet monsters. Yeah, they're fighting an evil faucet this week. This is it's amazing. tremendous. Okay. <laughs> he is Dude, a faucet. we have not even scratched the surface of the insane monsters that we are going to get in Jetman. Okay, so heads up. He is a faucet monster slash faucet opath. Faucet-kinetic? control faucets he, and he create them faucets. basically out of nowhere. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, okay. Which we will discuss a little later on. But for now, he takes like the sink faucet. I think it's like the little the bit on the hose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't th- I, no, I don't think it is. I think just like the pipe comes out. That seems to be the case all over. So the pipe comes out, like strangles the guy in his bed, yeah. zaps him, and like absorbs him up into the faucet. I guess... And then it just jumps back to being in the wall, and then it turns on by itself and is pouring blood out of the faucet. Because Jetman keeps it real. Dude, as I've said before, and will continue to say, Jetman is raw. Yeah, it does not mess around. Like, we are 40 seconds in, and we've got a blood faucet. That's messed yes, up. Yes, we have what is left of that dude dripping out of his faucet. <laughs> okay. So so uh, Tran shows up in the room. Tran, if you'll recall, is one of the four uh, Viram leaders. Yes. It's the one who's like the little dude with the cape and like the techno glasses. I think he's supposed to be like a video gamer. He's wearing what looks to be like a Nintendo Power Glove. He's got like a visor on. And then later on in the episode, he says something about like Game Over or something like that. So I think the idea is that he is a video gamer guy. I don't know if it's that exactly, but he definitely does have more of a like technological bent than the other ones. Except for Gray, who is a literal robot. (laughs) I was just going to say, isn't there like an android? Yeah, but Gray is more like he is a robot, but Tran like does things with machines. If that, if yeah, no, 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 I got you. Like Gray is an android, but that's not the primary aspect of his character. He is a robot, but his primary motive action is not like technology junk. Right, 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 right. It's shooting people with a gun and smoking cigarettes. Uh, Amazing. Does he wear a hat at any point? I feel like he Uh, should wear a hat. Not that I have seen, but that would be great. That's a real bummer. Okay, so Dripping Blood Flosset, we cut away from there, and we see the chief just being stone cold. Uh, She is like chop... Okay, so she's in like a karate gi, right? And she is chopping bottles in half with her hands, and then there's like a whole pile of rock, and I think she drops an elbow on it, but she might just hit it with her hand and breaks all the rocks too. So the chief... He's like a super intense martial arts expert. Yeah, Chief is like apparently a crazy karate master, which yes! is amazing. Which only adds to the long list of things that I already love about the Chief. I think the Chief might actually be my favorite character in this show so far. So, so sorry, go ahead. Oh, so once she finishes breaking all this stuff, she turns to the three new recruits that are there. So we've got Raita, Akko, and Kaori. Which can only would be can only be described as a murder in her eyes. Yeah, and she she basically like pulls 
a like neo move where she like waves them towards her. As I say right. that, I'm realizing that Neo did that in a movie in 1999, uh, which was a very long time ago. But it's a move that I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the move. And so none of the three of them are having it. They're like, no, 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 no. They we're each good. keep trying to like push the other ones into her. Right. They finally manage to can uh, push Raita. Uh, so it's Akko, Kauri, and Raita, like you said. Akko and Kauri managed to push Raita towards the chief. She like flips him. Over her head with, like, one hand, I think. And then Akko tries to, like, jump kick her, and she grabs her foot and, like, throws her across the field or something. Not across the field, but, like, across the little sparring area that they've set up. And then I think Kauri just tries to go for a punch, which goes nowhere. Well, Kauri sort of, like, freaks out and just runs at her with a look in her face. <laughs> like, I, I would rather be doing anything but this right now. Right. And I want to remind you guys that the Jetmen, even when they're not transformed, totally have super strength. Yes, they 100% do. And Chief is still just ruining them. Yeah, she's not even breaking a sweat. I don't think she's even moved her feet yet. She is just, like, pivoting and destroying them. It's amazing. And so, now that her three charges are on the ground and, like, dirty, she just looks over and says, I can't call you warriors yet. And then she kind of looks away up into the sky and says, the only one that I can call a warrior is Ryu. And it kind of makes it look like the chief maybe has a little thing for Ryu. Like, I'm not saying you know, that's true. No, I don't think that's the case. I think what the, what you are getting out of that moment is her respect for his ability to punch things. Ah, ah. Well, it seemed if the chief was going to respect anything, and I feel like... And the fact that, like, she... Like, Ryu... Okay, so put yourself in the chief's shoes. Right. Chief set up this whole J project and was going to zap five of the, like, the best of the best and give them crazy birdonic superpowers <laughs> to protect the world. Right. Then they got attacked by extra-dimensional like, invaders, and four of the five people who are supposed to be her A-team are just complete randos. One of them is a farmer, one of them is a high school girl, one of them is just like a fancy rich lady, and one of them is a sleazy gambler who refuses to show up. <laughs> Right, so and I guess, so, yeah. like, Ryu is her one, like, thank goodness I have at least this guy. Right, because he's a super cop to begin with. So they say, the three Jetmen say, hey, well, actually, where is Ryu? We haven't seen him. Chief says, oh, he's out looking for Guy to make sure that he gets Guy to join you guys. If you don't have all five Jetmen, it's kind of a non- non-starter. Like, we got nothing if we don't have all five. Kauri's like, oh, yeah, uh, that sounds great. We should totally go help him. Instead of this, because this is terrible. Right. She looks over and just says, don't say stupid things. I'm going to train you hard. And (laughs) then she, like, gets this slight, like, smile and look in her eye and starts cracking her knuckles while the camera focuses in on her face. It's incredible. (laughs) Okay. So we cut away from there, and we assume, uh, we see these two uh, lady policemen, policewomen, policewomen, I guess would just be a better way to say that. So we see uh, these two police Police women, officers, police I guess. Police officers. Well, it's important that they're ladies. It is. And so she is... It is important that they're ladies because, 
Okay, listeners. Um, I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. So, guy is a he's a scum he's a scumbag. Guy's yeah. a scumbag. He's a right? sleaze. He's a sleaze. Yeah. He he is a he is a womanizer in a TV show before it was culturally unacceptable to be a womanizer. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Uh-huh. And so he is just going to continue to do things that the show is going to treat as okay that are not okay. Yeah. This is a theme I'm getting in Super Sentai, Matt. Okay. But so, so we see this lady cop, and she's just in the car with her partner. and But she like pulls the mirror down, and she's kind of seeing how she looks, right? And she looks down. She, she's wearing a skirt, and it's... Just because she's sitting, I guess. It's like hiked up a little high. We pan up and we see Guy on his motorcycle next to the car. And he is looking down and like check, like kind of into the window of the car, checking out this cop. And so she like pulls her skirt down a little bit and Guy just goes full creeper. He's like, oh, I liked where I was before. He's like, hey, babe, don't worry about it. I thought it looked great. Yeah, he's a real cool dude. So, she kind of gives him a disapproving look, and he says, all right, baby, like, your loss affected, like, kind, something like that. Right, and like, he, he just, keeps trying to hit on her for a minute, and she just looks away and refuses to acknowledge him. And right. so, he pulls what, okay, this is the it's most, a sleaze move, but it's a... This is the most <laughs> baller move I've ever seen in a TV show, <laughs> trying to hit on someone. So he, he just looks, goes 100% in. <laughs> right. So what he does is he looks up and then just takes off through the red light that they are both stopped at. The cop looks up, realizes that he has blown through this red light, and flips the siren and starts chasing him. She gets on the loudspeaker and says, Hey, you blew through that red light. Pull over. Guy pulls over immediately she pulls up, gets out of the car, says, what were you thinking? I was right there. And Guy says, all right, now we're talking. So he gets pulled over for the explicit purpose of continuing to try to flirt with this cop. It is, if nothing else, Guy commits hard. <laughs> yeah, he does. Okay, so he is just, he's trying to flirt. Ryu just shows up. Kind of out of nowhere. I mean, we know that he's out looking for him, so I can buy that. Right. And listen, I like Ryu, but Ryu has no chill whatsoever. No, not at all. So he pulls up and he's like, well, guy, I'll go on a date with you. Like, I think trying to mess with him and guy's just like, dude, sit. And then he just leaves. (laughs) Right. And then Ryu takes off after him. You know who does not take off after him? Lady Cop. The lady cop. The lady cop, instead of continuing to do her job and try to bring in this criminal, (laughs) instead goes back to her car and is looking in her rearview mirror because now she's all flattered that Guy thought she was cute. (laughs) Right? It's amazing. Dude, 1991. It was a different world. So... The past is a different country, Dave. So, um... Okay, so there's a short motorcycle chase where Guy is trying to get away from Ryu... They're sort of down by the docks. They're racing around throughout a bunch of, like, shipping containers. Right. 
and Ryu just they eventually I think guy just pulls over and Ryu pulls up next to him. Well, he has to like jump over a truck that almost kills him. Oh, that's but then right. Then after he's that. done that, he stops and Ryu catches up. Yeah. And Ryu just will not give up. He's like, dude, you're a Jetman. You got to come join the Jetman. We need you. The Virum are going to destroy Earth. Guy pulls out a cigarette, lights it, takes like one drag on it, and says, just let them destroy it then. I just want to enjoy my life until they do. Like, you're not my dad. And then I think punches Ryu in the stomach. Yep. Throws the cigarette away after like one drag and then just drives away. Uh, no, he doesn't just do that. He also says, if you ever come near me, I'll break oh, all the right. bones in your neck. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> totally threatens him with death. So we cut away from there and we see Raita, Kauri, and Akko. And they have ropes like tied around their waist. And there are a bunch of tires on the other end of those ropes. And they are, like, hop-dragging them up a hill, all right? Yeah, Akko, so, like, Chief is just putting them through this, like, gruesome strength training. Yeah. Anko's really bummed out. Raita and Kaori are like, oh, no, 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 you got to keep going. Like, we'll be great warriors and we'll protect the Earth. Uh, and Akko's like, yeah, all right, let's do it. So she attacks these tires with renewed spirit. Kaori, uh, it turns out, was lying had zero interest in actually doing the exercise because what she does immediately after telling Akko to do the exercise is she hops up behind Raita, ties her tires to his tires, and then, but weirdly, keeps hopping behind him. Yeah, I think just to sort of keep up appearances in case Raita catches him out of, like, the corner of her eye. And this is, like, remember, Raita is the super strong one. Oh, that's right. And so this is, like, a good sort of showcase that, like, all three of them are supposed to be dragging up these tires individually. But by the end of it, Raita is just unwittingly dragging three people's worth of, like, weights behind him up this hill. Oh, yeah, because Akko immediately does the same thing. Oh, yeah, Akko's not going to move anything heavy if she doesn't have to. Right. And so Raita kind of gets to the top of this hill. We cut away from there, and we see the chief is sort of like, she has, I guess, finished her workout, and is like, she's in the restroom, and she's kind of primping and, like, getting ready for the day. She gets attacked by a faucet. Like you do. Like you do. And <laughs> she just, she, like, grabs a straight razor out of her beauty kit and just slices it in half. Yeah, because the chief, the chief does not mess around. Right! It's incredible. She like, just the virum yeah. goes to, like, magically choke her out, and she grabs the straight razor, which she apparently shaves with, <laughs> and just cuts it straight in half. Incredible. <laughs> okay, so we get away from there, and we see Guy in, like, a club i guess and he's smoky pool hall right and he's shooting pool in what can only be described as the 90s ist shirt i've maybe ever seen oh dude guy's shirt is amazing he wears it's like it's the same shirt he wears all the time yeah it's this like blue sort of like floral paisley patterned silk shirt that's buttoned all the way up to the throat it's it's incredible it's great yeah so he so Ryu walks in to the same bar, sits down at the bar, and asks for a glass of warm milk. Guy is just behind him, seething, right? Because the the pool table is situated behind the bar, yep. and so like he re- 
he goes to take a shot at the pool table, but instead of the ball, like, you know, doing what a pool t- ball normally does, it flies up off the table into the air straight at Ryu's head. Right. Ryu does, like, a blind, like, he dodges to the side and does, like, a blind grab and catches it out of midair. And Guy is not impressed or happy, does this, like, three more times, just trying to hit him in the head with these pool balls, and Ryu catches them all. So Guy walks over, and at this point, he's gotten this sort of, like, he's exasperated, but he's, I think he, at this point, is starting to respect him. Yeah. He's like, okay. I'm not just going to try to murder you with pool balls. Let's go settle this once and for all. Like, grab your jacket. We're getting out of here. Right. You'll find out how they settled it in a second. (laughs) So we cut back to training. Uh, Raita, we see him at the top of the hill. He kind of falls back and says to himself, or not to himself, he says out loud. He says, oh my gosh, I need water. I'm so thirsty. As soon as he says that, a water fountain materializes out of nowhere. And he says, hey, that's great. I'll just go over to that one. So right. he runs over. He like turns on the faucet. And of course, instead of water, it is a sort of bad prop approximation of blood. Yeah, totally uh, blood. But he does say this is blood, just in case you don't catch it. <laughs> right. I just want to be super clear. They are not in like a hid- like an area where maybe a water fountain could have been hidden and he wouldn't have noticed it before. It just appears in the middle of like an empty field. So if it had been there, he absolutely would have seen it and he does not care that it was not there like 30 seconds ago. Listen, Red is a simple man. He knows farming, and he knows thirst. So, Matt, you're saying he's a simple kind of man? Yeah. A simple kind of man is what you would, we would say that's accurate. That's how I'd categorize him, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, if I were to classify him. Right, okay, cool. Just clarifying. <laughs> so, blood faucet, <clears throat> Ryder freaks out, very reasonably. Sure, understandable. <laughs> right. One doesn't expect blood out of a faucet and he kind of jumps back and then faucet attack faucet attacks uh the three jet men we then see tran kind of phase in this is a thing we will see pretty frequently that the virum are capable of projecting themselves as like a holographic like a spirit form kind of and they do that pretty regularly and so tran does that now I think, I don't think he actually is, but it totally looks like he's just wearing a Nintendo Power Glove. I mean, it is similarly bulky and technological. Right. I mean, not that the Nintendo Power Glove was actually, like, very technological, but it was certainly made to look like it. Yeah, definitely. Dude, that thing was, I wanted one of those things. Dude, everybody wanted one of those things. Pretty badly. (laughs) Um, I don't think they actually were actually very cool. No, no. I have since read reviews that apparently those things barely worked at, like, if they worked at all. But, like, the, the magic dream of having a Nintendo Power Glove right. was amazing. It was incredible. Okay. So, the Faucet Dimension monster attacks. And it took me a second to realize that when they say Faucet Dimension, they're not saying that there was a Faucet Dimension. It's a Faucet Dimensional Monster, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. They are the Dimensional Beasts. I'm right. I apologize if I somehow allowed you to believe that this was a monster from the faucet dimension. You didn't. That's just what I thought. 
Uh, I actually like the version better where it's a monster from the faucet dimension. But I think that's pretty clearly not true. I'll okay. tell you what. We will backburner that particular headcanon and check in on it later to see if it holds up. Okay. So, oh, dude, I had like a solid two minutes on the faucet dimension before I realized it didn't actually, that's not actually what the show was saying. <laughs> so, um, so the faucet monster, it's basically just a giant faucet and it's got like handles, like faucet handles for eyes and one is red and one is blue and they shoot blasts. I think the idea is that it's meant to be like one hot blast and one cold blast, but they're effectively just like exploding. It's never directly referenced, but they are separate colors. So you can at least imagine that there's some different effect. Right. Sorry. I was just considering if I should go off on like an X-Men tangent, but I decided against it. Okay. So they get on their communicators and the chief is like, you guys need to run. Like you don't have all five Jetmen there and you are not ready for this. And they're like, yeah, we were going to run anyways. Like, don't worry about it. And they We are on top of running away. (laughs) Like, we might not know much about this Jetman biz yet, but we do know that the three of us versus this thing is a bad scene. Right. So we cut away, and we just see, like, an office building, and there's faucets and water pipes, and they're kind of coming out of everywhere, and they're just attacking the office workers. And Tran appears in the aforementioned ghost form and says, and I quote, send those humans to the depths of hell, which seems extreme, but whatever. Hey, man, Tran's an extreme dude. Extreme. Um, Hey, it was the 90s. Everyone was extreme in the 90s. No one was more extreme than Adam X, though. That is an X-Men tangent I would be willing to go on. Just look up Adam X. Adam Extreme? Is that what he was called? Uh, Adam X, the Extreme. The Extreme. Okay. Sorry. So, guys, Adam X, the Extreme. He's like an extra-dimensional mutant elf or something. And he has, Uh, like, And possible third summer's brother. Yeah. And he is, uh... I forget why he has elf ears. It's for some reason. Uh, he was like, wasn't he like half Shire or something? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. And so he's got like long blonde hair and some of it is in like a little braid thing and some of it isn't. And he has a goatee, right? And then he has, as part of his like superhero costume, he has like a backwards baseball cap. Already incredible, right? His power is that I think if he touches you or if there is like an open wound on you somewhere, he can, can, he can set your blood on fire. Right? Yes. Like he can't do it to you if your blood isn't exposed, I think. But right. yeah. Like remember last episode how we were talking about them blowing up the jet monster because it had like gasoline blood? That's right. basically Adam X's whole deal. Right, he can turn your blood into gasoline blood, but there's going to be a leak somewhere. And so in order to create the leak, he just has a costume that's, like, covered with knives. Yes, he is just, like, this whirling, like... It's, Does it's, he have a skateboard? Because I feel like he oh, should yeah. just be, and like, he has, and he has a around. skateboard as, like, his primary mode of transportation. It's incredible. <laughs> I, would, I still say that an Adam X the Extreme team up with Blade the Vampire Hunter would be amazing. Oh, I thought you were going to go with Night Thrasher, who is another 90s character who primarily gets around via skateboard. But Blade would also be great. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, sorry. That aside, uh, send those humans to the depths of hell, right? We jump to Guy and Ryu, and we find out now what is the contest 
that they have settled on that will determine once and for all their rivalry, I guess? Yeah, you might have assumed that they were going to fight because that's what they've been doing every other time they've gotten into conflict. I know I did. Instead, it's a dirt bike race (laughs) through the quarry where they got a bunch of sick jumps set up. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. Uh, What's great about this is, like, they start the race and Guy says, okay, we're going to do this. Whoever gets to the end wins. If I win, you leave me alone and we never see each other again. And if you win, I'll join the Jetmen. Right. Like, like, let's do it. Three, two, one, go. They're driving around. They're going off the jumps. They're driving through the quarry. And we see a bunch of, like, little kids with their bicycles and bike helmets. So this is not just, like, a quarry where they went to go do a dirt bike race. This was, like, some children's, like, like bike park that they had set up. Yeah. And these two grown men just roll in with their dirt dirt bikes and say like, no, we're fighting now. You stand there. (laughs) Um, Okay. So they are going and at first guy is ahead and then Ryu pulls ahead and these kids are there and they're sort of like clapping. They're like, oh, no way. This is really amazing. And then as they are clapping, faucets appear just out of the ground, as far okay, as I can yeah, tell. Okay, yeah, this is what I was going to mention earlier. It's not just that the faucet dimension can control faucets. Apparently, he can just make them, because they are, as I said, in the middle of a bike park quarry. Yeah. Like, there should not be a sink there. So, that's it. Yes, he just creates faucets out of nowhere and is, like, choking out these kids. Yeah. Ryu sees it and says, oh, well... Obviously, I am a hero. I need to go save these kids. He pulls away from the race. He gets the kids. He's able to, like, untangle them from the faucets. Saves their lives. They're all very grateful. It's a nice moment. Yeah. But Guy, in his continued quest to just be, like, a real dirtbag, is like, yeah, but I'm totally winning this race, though. He completely ignores the plight of these children and just goes on to, like, win the race. And then he... So Ryu has saved the kids... Guy pulls up, and he's like, so, uh, you're a big dumb jerk, and you lost the race, so I'm out forever. Like, have a nice life, except don't have a nice life, because I hate you. (laughs) Uh, Also, P.S., you need to think of yourself more and others less, because that's the right way to live. Right. Like, clearly, because I just won, and you lost. So I get what I want, and you get nothing. You big jerk. Go suck a lemon. Um, so... Oh, bringing it back. Yeah. catchphrase. Yeah, I felt good about that one. So, Guy then, he tries to, like, peel out in what would have been a cool move, uh, but he gets attacked by the faucet monster. The faucet monster has wrapped up his front wheel in faucets, I guess. And so Ryu intervenes, because Ryu's a good dude. So he, so he goes to save Guy, who is, like, in the midst of being zapped by electric faucets. Right. Because that's a thing. Hey, man, you can put water through a faucet. Why can't you put evil electricity through a faucet? Oh, oh you know what? Actually, that makes more sense than I would have initially cared to admit. So, so right on. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, evil electricity through the faucets. Rat. Uh, Guy, as soon as he is free... Is just like later, what like while Ryu is actively being attacked, 
by the faucet monster. Guy yeah, is just to be out. able to get Guy out. Like Ryu ended up tangled in the stuff himself, and Guy is like, "Hey, remember what I just said about looking after yourself <laughs> right. and not worrying about other people? I'm gonna keep like, doing that." I was not kidding. You should totally do that. I am outsies. <laughs> right. Um, so we cut back to Sky Camp. We cut back to Sky Camp, and the other three Jetmen and the Chief see Ryu on the monitor fighting. The Chief kind of gives them a nod, and they say, yes, and they run out. And then we see, we cut back to Ryu, and we see he's still fighting Fawcett Dimension. The other rangers come up over, like, a sand dune in a sweet, like, tricked-out jeep with, like, a laser cannon on the top. Yeah, dude, that thing's sweet. Yeah, it's totally rad. I think that is Rita's vehicle. I Yeah, I think you're right. We catch, like, a quick glimpse in the opening of all the rangers on different vehicles, and I think you're right that this is Rita's. But it's got a laser cannon on top. Amazing. Dude, dude, wait until you see the uh, fully operational power of the Red Hawk's dune buggy. Nice. It's going to be sweet. <laughs> okay. So so Akko is like manning the laser. Wright is driving. Kauri is just looking a little bit freaked out. And so she, but uh, Akko like uses the laser cannon. She blasts Fawcett Dimension. Ryu gets free. They kind of pull up, pull out a cop out of the jeep and then are immediately strangled by faucets. Yeah. Oh, and if we mentioned that the uh, the Grinham soldiers, which are like the little... They, they are the putties the, yeah. of this show. They have arrived and are oh, also attacking. Yeah. We did not mention that, but they totally did. So Okay, so things are looking bad for our heroes. Yeah. So they're fighting. Like, they're fighting Faucet Dimension and the Grinham soldiers, inexplicably not cross-changing. Like, I don't... They're just not. They're just hanging out in regular human form, getting whooped on. I mean, we've got two options here, right? We There's either the choice that um, their arms are wrapped up by the faucet so they can't get to, like, the button to transform. Oh, okay. Perhaps. Or they're really dumb, and this is, like, the second time they've ever had to do this. Okay, that's fair. But I feel Ryu, like both of those are equally off. Like, Ryu, I good feel like, choices. has less excuse. Okay, so we cut over to... So they're losing pretty hard versus Fawcett Dimension. We cut over to Guy, who is rolling away on his motorcycle, and he's kind of flashing back to Ryu, and he cannot forget Ryu's words. He actually says, why can't I get that guy out of my head? Which I think is from Oklahoma. Yeah, I think there's something like... (laughs) Nope, sorry, South Pacific. Uh, He's going to try to wash, wash that, that man, man right out of his hair. hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Uh, one of my least favorite big-time musicals of all time. Do yeah, like South Pacific, Pacific has a couple of good songs, but I do not like it in general. Mm-hmm. This has been Musical Corner. <laughs> so, uh, we cut back. We see Fawcett Dimension is strangling the Rangers. Guy jumps up over a... Off like a sweet jump, basically. And like... Blake checks, like he flies over Fawcett Dimension and nails him in the head with his back tire. It's a pretty, it's pretty cool sick move. move. Yeah. So he pulls around. The other rangers are freed. He says, uh, I guess I'll come back and help you guys or something. He puts his hand on his bike handle and Ryu takes the immediate 
opportunity to immediately slap a cross changer on him. But Guy's like cool with it now. What's great is that when Guy shows up, everyone is like, oh, great, Guy, you're back. And there is not even a moment where Guy is contrite about leaving them to their fates. Oh, yeah. He just rolls up and immediately has this look on his face like, yes, I am here. I am your hero, and I am here to save the day. (laughs) Right. Okay. So uh, they do the cross-changer. They do a little piece of choreography, which is very convenient that everybody knows. And they're like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, Jetman! And they kind of all strike a pose. Which I, that's just got to be inherent. Like, there's got to be something going on that you know what pose to strike when you become I mean, become they know how to transform and how to, like, ranger. pilot their stuff. Like, I feel like the flourishes and choreography have to be somehow pre-programmed into the Burdonic waves. <laughs> right, it's got to be just part of the transformation, because they all do it. Okay. You know how to fly, and you know how to pose. And you know how to pose, so fly. Ooh. Anyway. Mm. No, Matt, I'm E E high fiving for that one. Distance high five. That was pretty glorious. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I'm just laughing at our own jokes now. <laughs> Dave, that is laughing at our own jokes and making unsubstantiated claims as to the popularity of our show. It's a real, the real lifeblood of our program. Of this podcast. <laughs> okay. So um there's some punches that go on versus Fawcett Dimension. Raita just hucks a giant rock at him. Yeah, just like a boulder, approximately the size of his own torso. Yeah. Well, again, you know, Raita's super strength. Um, Ryu calls over to Guy and says, Guy, use your winged gauntlet. Which... And Guy says, okay, let's do it. <laughs> there is never an explanation as to There's the winged gauntlet. Nothing. We just see that Guy suddenly has on his right fist this, like... How would you describe this thing, Dave? I've been thinking about this, Matt, and I have a good... I think is a good explanation. It kind of looks like a power fist from Fallout. It does kind of look like a it's power like fist It's like a Burdonic wave-infused power fist from Fallout. It's like a big kind of clunky over-fist thing with, like, a, a part on the top. It's like a... It's a punching fist. It's like a super punching fist. You can imagine what it might look like. If it were designed by a Super Sentai guy. Right. Put a picture of some wings on it. You're good to go. Yeah. That's, it's cool. It's cool looking. Like, I don't want to make it sound like it's not cool. Because it is. And it is, this is something that, like, this is another part of their standard gear. They've got their bird blasters. They've got their, like, swords. Which I think are called the bringer swords. And that's something I cannot figure out for the life of me. And they've got their winged gauntlets. And those, I think, are the three main pieces of, like, non-super fancy technology. Right, right, right. Okay, so he, like, does the wing gauntlet, and they all grab their bird blasters, and they combine them with their swords to be wing blasters, and they all shoot Fawcett Dimension, and then Fawcett Dimension, like, explodes. So Fawcett Dimension is out. Hooray, Yeah, there was actually a moment in here where I had forgotten that that was the end, and I thought that he was going to transform and become big, but it's not. That does not happen yet. Like, we don't get giant monsters for a little bit. Um, right. right now, he just gets blasted, and that is the end of Fawcett Dimension. Okay, so we jump over to, like, the docks, which is where they're hanging out, I guess. And it's the four Jetmen and Guy. And Ryu says, all right, so, glad you came back. Welcome to the Jetman. And he holds out his hand to shake Guy's hand, and they'll, you know, they'll be reconciled. Guy 
looks down at his hand, looks back up at Ryu, does not shake his hand, looks over at Akko and Kaori, and is effectively like, ladies... How you doing? It's a it's oh yeah. So like, when I said that he joins the Jetmen in the best way possible, this is it. Yeah, he just like <laughs> straight up is joining so he can hang out with the ladies. Right. One of which I will remind you is in high school. Yeah. Uh, hey man, uh, he is not interested in Akko though. That is not that is not something you have to worry about, Dave. Yeah. Okay, well, no, that's good. Which I'm only mentioning because that could have been a legitimate concern. Yeah, that's totally would have been legit. Uh, Okay, so the four Virum, we find out that they are called the four Virum Revolutionaries. At least that's what they're called in this translation. I will double check between episodes to make sure that that's a real thing. Who knows? So they, uh, they appear kind of out of nowhere. Like they do that ghost projection thing and they say... Ah, we have been watching you, and it's good that you're all five together, because now it'll be interesting, but we're still totally going to kill you. A uh, guy has a moment where he tries to attack the projections yeah. and guy just goes straight through them. does not understand holograms. Uh, and- Akko, if the translation is to be believed, says a real bad cuss at them. Yes, yeah, she does. I did not expect that. So again, entirely possible that that is just the translation we were watching. Yep, but it comes uh, bad. But in any case, she is not pleased to see them on this show. Um, <laughs> so Radigan says, "says I hope you guys put up a good fight." And Ryu says, "Yeah, we're gonna crush you." And the Viram are completely unimpressed. They just laugh at the Rangers. And the episode effectively st- ends with this like stare down. Yeah, and that's it. That's the so end. Dave. That's the end of episode three. The Power of Five. Mm-hmm. What is your high point of the week? Ooh, there were a couple of high points in this episode, but I'm going to go with the Chief being a straight-up martial arts monster. Dude, I love the Chief, and I love her even more now that I know that it's the same actress who played uh, Ko's mom from Die yes. Ranger. It just makes it so much more impressive that I like her at all. I know, right? Because yeah, Because Ko's mom was like the worst character on that show, and the chief is the best. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So the chief being a kung fu, uh, kung fu killer, not kung fu, karate, whatever. A martial arts master is amazing. Uh, how about you, man? High point? Man, high point. Um, dude, I think my high point this week is the fact that Ryu and Guy decided to settle their dispute via a sick dirt bike race. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's real good. Uh, that was pretty rad. So, Dave, what then is your low point? Ooh, uh, low point, I think, is gotta be that it's the faucet, it's the dimensional faucet monster and not the monster from the faucet dimension. You know, that had never even occurred to me before you said it, but now I'm very disappointed. I know, right? Because as the show go on, there would be a lot of weird dimensions. I think, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to work pretty hard to construct like a headcanon in which that is a possibility. Uh, That is a noble goal, and I think we should stick with it. Okay. Uh, (laughs) So how about you, man? Uh, How about a low point? Uh, Dave, I think for my low point, I'm going to go with the deplorable gender politics of Jetman, specifically Ooh, uh, as regards Guy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. And okay, listen, I to the show's credit, like the sleazy stuff that Guy does is not 
portrayed, at least in this episode, as like a good thing. Yeah. It is just like a, hey, this dude is a sleazebag and these are the things he is doing. Right. So that at least is... I I should say, like, I think Guy is sleazy. I also think he's a cool character. Oh, yeah. He's awesome. Like, I think he can be both of those things. Mm -hmm. Like, not everything about him has to be... Um, uh, like aspirational for me to like him in the show. Yeah. Um, I really do like him in the show. So I'm not, I do not want to like start off in early in this show ragging on one of the main characters who I really do like. Oh yeah. He's but a great part of the show. I would also feel sort of remiss if I didn't mention the fact that like it gets a little dicey. <laughs> yeah. A bit, a bit. <laughs> okay. Do we have anything else to say about this, Dave? Or are we no, man, close this I, am, uh, I am pretty tapped. Okay, well, in that case, that is going to do it for another episode of The Jetman with a Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes, if you want to check out uh, things we're talking about, just connect with us in general. We're on Twitter at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember, shining the iTunes review sections, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help people find the show. Uh, thank you to the people who have done that. There's been a couple new ones in the last few weeks. Uh, yeah, which thanks was a lot. We appreciate it. Great and exciting. Um, uh, but for now, that's going to do it for us. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week.